Our first reading this morning is from Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And from Hebrews 12. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, into the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. And from Hebrews 10, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heard, are aware of the schedule. Great. Neil just reminded us of that. And so if you're not aware, Sunday, we aren't gathering here in this physical as of the annual so if you can make it up to Skycroft up there on a Sunday morning to worship here on Sunday. Uh, but two weeks from now, from 9 a.m. on, we're going to have snacks and coffee on the Prince Room area. And from 9.30 on, our adults will stay and from for the Here, I'll just, okay. Well, all right, now we have sound. And then we'll, uh, at 10.30, we'll, we'll finish. Adults uh, on the second floor, kids on the third floor, and return to the worship service all together. 
Now, over the past two weeks, we've been laying out the vision behind this, these changes. Now, they're more than just a schedule change, more than just a program shuffling. They are meant to inform our, our understanding of the role of the Sunday morning programming as it relates to how we practice our spirituality as individuals, but also as a community. So last week, we looked at how this vision for communal formation applies to our teaching time, which is our 9.30 time. And today we're going to look at the vision for communal formation through worship that begins, well, will begin at 10.30. Now, together, these two components are meant to be the, uh, uh, attend to this holistic approach towards our Sunday mornings together. Now, if you're a guest or if you're joining us or you're newer to WCF, I mean, it just looks like maybe a shuffle of, of, of schedules and programs, but it's meant to be much more than that. For over the past year, we've been casting this vision for spiritual formation, which is this act that God does in our lives to make us more into the likeness of his son, Jesus. So we encourage you all to listen to last week's message. If you haven't get it, had a chance, or if you know people, just go to our website you can, or our podcast, and you can catch up on that there. Uh, you can link to, if you want even more information, you can go to the elders' blog post, uh, wcfchurch.org news to catch up there as well. So today, we're going to look at this particular event that we're all sitting in right now that, that we often call the worship service. Most of us will call it the worship service or Sunday service. And at WCF, this time begins at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we'll begin with a time of singing some songs, a call to worship. We'll bless one another. We'll bless the children as we just did, hear God's word being preached, and gather after for confession and for communion and to share some community updates and activities before we pray and are sent off. That's what we typically refer to as our Sunday worship. But I want to ask you a question. Take a step back and, and consider what makes Sunday worship worship? Is it music that moves you? Is it preaching that convinces you or convicts you? Or is it prayers that connect you to God? Or is it children's programming that keeps your children occupied so you can focus? <laughs> or is it live stream quality that keeps you engaged for the whole time? Or maybe it's just simply you have low, 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 low standards, a worship service schedule that doesn't interfere with the rest of your weekend commitments. You know, a lot of we can, what we call good worship is simply tacking on American consumer-oriented marketing and branding onto our spiritual activity. And when we do that, we miss out on the goal of why we worship. You know, as a pastor, I've, I've attended church conferences, and I've readily employed them in our, you know, leading ministries and things like that because I'm a nerd, all right? We, we use things like guest experience, we use customer relationship management tools, CRM tools, to manage our relationships with different visitors at the church. We use social media, even at WCF, and we brand our sermon series and logos with titles. And, and so I'm not saying that we shouldn't do church that way, or that the real church doesn't use any of those things, real worship. But we can often miss the point of our time together when we approach worship from this consumer-oriented mindset that's often driven by this market uh, culture, market-oriented culture that we often live in. We'll often miss the point of why we worship, which is to encounter God and to enter into all that God has for us. 
Our Sunday worship, is, worship time is meant to be a time for us to participate with God in all that God is doing in the world, a time for us to focus and pay attention to God. Now, can we do all these things? Can we do that the rest of the week? Of course we can. But we fail to, uh, we miss the importance of how Sunday worship helps us to do that in how we can participate with God when we treat our Sundays simply as an event or some marketing option that we want to pick from. You know, as we've been talking about this vision for Sundays at, uh, at WCF, today we're talking about worship. Um, and we're talking, last week we talked about teaching, this week we talked about worship. Let me just clarify worship, because I, I know some, worship means a lot of different things to different people. It means, for most of the church that has musicians and vocalists, the worship is the worship team. It's done by the worship leader, right? And then there's, but also worship is this, uh, is a posture of our heart that says, I want to honor you, God. I want to lift you up and pay attention to you and all that I do. That's worship as well. But worship is also activity and the way we participate in our activities, the way we do our work, the way we relate to others, the way we serve others. We can worship as individuals, but we also worship together as a community. And that's what really what we're talking about when we're talking about Sunday worship. So, how does our time together here on Sundays lend towards this goal of being formed in the likeness of Christ for the sake of others? In other words, how does this Sunday event, this worship, more than an event, change us? That's the fundamental question I want to invite you to ask yourself. Now, we're going to look at Sunday worship at WCF in two parts today. Worship as encountering God and worship as entering in with God. Encountering God and entering in with God. Now, in the text that Jeannie read for us, we get a glimpse of what happens when God encounters us. Through Moses, though Moses isn't in a worship service per se, he has a worship moment. His attention shifts from the mundane, from the routine, to the sacred and the holy. You see, he's going about his day, thinking about his responsibilities and perhaps some of his life worries, of which he has many. We didn't read the previous chapter, but if, you've, if you know, you're, you're following the story, remember he has this burning bush moment he's, after he has fled from his homeland, from his people that he's grown up with, because he's been rejected by his people. Because he's been try, he tried to help them in the way that he thought was best, but they, instead of welcoming his help, they run him out of his homeland. And so here he is, working his job as a shepherd, and that quickly comes to an encounter. All these preoccupations he carried, his life worries, his life purpose, were changed when he encountered God. He's going about his daily duties. He's watching his sheep. And he sees and meets God in this flaming bush that doesn't appear to burn up. Moses has a God encounter. But how does he respond? With reverence, with humility. And God, in that moment, reveals God's character to Moses. In fact, God reveals his name, the name that we've been singing. He reveals his name as Yahweh. And in that moment, Moses must make a decision. Does he recognize this moment as a God encounter? Or 
and, and all that that God encounter implies for his life, or does he just return to his routine? Scripture is full of God encounters. Adam and Eve in the garden. Abraham in his call to a foreign land. Jacob wrestling with the Lord himself. Moses here at the burning bush. Moses at the top of Mount Sinai. Continues into the Gospels. We see numerous God encounters that Jesus has as he goes about in his ministry. Jesus is God in the flesh. He heals. He meets people along the way. And every one of these God encounters invites a response. God never demands or imposes his will on the people that he encounters. But simply, that encounter itself, if we see God for who God is, invites a response of worship, invites a response of repentance. Will we turn our direction or orientation of our hearts? Will we yield in trust to God? Or will it just be, oh, that was nice, back to my regular programming? That's the question for us when we gather together on Sunday for worship. As we carve out time on Sunday mornings for this thing that we call Sunday worship, is it something to check off on our list of duties to do on the weekend? Is it, just a, is it a convenient meeting place for us to gather for lunch or to ball game? Or is it an opportunity to encounter the living God together? You know, our times of prayer, our times of singing, our times of hearing God's word being preached, of confession and communion, these are all intended as spaces for us to encounter God in this way. And even if we're serving in the service, even if we're doing technology, or even if we're upstairs with the children, we can also approach them as opportunities to encounter God, saying, God, what are you up to right now as I'm troubleshooting the sound system? God, what are you up to as this child I'm volunteering with is sharing about her week? What are you up to? How are you meeting me today? When we come to our time together with this orientation and posture, we open ourselves to the opportunity for God to do God's formative work in our lives. Rather than the worship service, being just as an event to attend, and to attend or a responsibility to fill. The worship service is meant to be an opportunity to encounter God and to be formed by God. That means we shift our posture towards our time together from, as Rich shared with us last week, from opinion, my opinion and my preferences to questions of formation. It, go, it shifts from what I'm doing for God to what God is doing in me shifts from religion and religious activity to relationship. It shifts from consumer, being a consumer of spiritual activities to being a communer with the living God who is active and present in our midst. And ultimately, it's a shift of our practicing our spirituality from a life of anxious control to a life of yielded trust in God. And as we move through our time together on Sundays, through this worship service, it's an invitation for you and I 
to encounter God, to be, to be formed by God further into God's, the likeness of God's Son, Jesus. But this formation is not merely for us to be better people and to be done by us. God works with us, and God invites us to respond individually, yes, but God's forming work is not just for us. It's for the sake of others, which leads us to the second movement. Encountering God in worship is also an invitation to enter in to the fullness of all that God has for us and all that God is. Not just for your life in the moment, but what God is doing in the world throughout history. That's what the writer of Hebrews reminds us in Hebrews chapter 12. Take a look at that again. It's on the screen, I think. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Now, it's using a lot of figurative language here. But Mount Zion, Jerusalem, the city of God, has been and still is for the Jewish people to this day, has been the focal point of God's presence in the temple. That was a place that has been and still is for the Jewish people, the place of encountering God. Now, these physical locations are where God's presence are believed to be to dwell. But in light of Christ's arrival, the physical temple has been widened, not just as a place in Jerusalem, but to the temple of the body of Christ. Hence why Jesus says to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, saying, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans... Worship, oh, uh, going, skipping to 25. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Dwelling and encountering God doesn't just happen in one place. But it can happen when people gather together. Now back to Hebrews 12. When God's people gather and worship, we are joining not only with one another in this room, but with thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Not only that, but we're also joining with the church of the firstborn. What's the church of the firstborn? It refers to all followers of Jesus in history who have died in the faith and are now in the presence of Jesus. So just pause and think about that for a moment. When God's people gather and worship, it's not just happening here at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 907 Maryland Avenue, Northeast Washington, D.C. It's not just happening at the other churches who are gathering here at Washington, D.C. There is a worship service that has been going on and will continue to go on until we are in the presence of Jesus in the life to come. That's what's happening when we gather. And it's still happening even when we're not gathering. But think of that as we gather in this space every week. And what's happening when God, God's people worship? We are entering into the presence of the living God who is active and at work right here in our midst. We are coming before the presence of Jesus who is in the words of the writer of Hebrews who speaks a better word. How many of you knew, need to hear a better word 
for your life. You know, continuing on, we read the counsel of the writer of Hebrews saying, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. The him is not the preacher. The him is not the service leader or the worship. The him is Jesus. Encountering God is a result of hearing God's word with faith through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. See, Scripture is not just some divine data or history for our literary or uh, spiritual observation. Scripture is not just some antiquated truth to be, draw inspiration from. Scripture isn't some allegory for us to draw our ethics from or to reinforce whatever values we think are ideal at the time. God's Word is the living and active Word of God that is at work in those who believe as Paul says to the Thessalonian church. And we enter into God's reality, much of it through hearing God's word. We hear and proclaim God's word as we sing and pray together. We enter in with God through hearing God's word in praise, in prayer, in proclamation, and in the presence of one another. We are engaging with God as we share the bread and the cup on the weeks that we share communion together. And as we begin, again, like reinforcing on, at 9.30 in two weeks, we do that as we dig into God's Word together as adults and as children. This passage from Hebrews highlights how our times of worship are both grand and universal and mysterious in the way that we connect with the body of Christ in time, through time immemorial. But also that our times of worship are meant to be personal and intimate and relevant to what we are facing in life because God wants to speak to each one of us. When God's people gather together in worship, there is something grand and universal and mysterious happening, and there is something deeply personal and intimate and relevant to our lives because the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all present with us and active here at work amongst us in our worship, and particularly as God's word is heard and praised and prayed. So what does this look like here at WCF? Encountering God and entering in with God. It means that from the moment we leave our house and head towards the church, or what, the moment we fire up the live stream, we are saying perhaps a prayer like this, living God, Direct my heart and my attention towards you. Help me to encounter you. Help me to enter into all that you have for me this day. Speak to me the word of life, good Father. Jesus, guide me. Spirit, comfort and strengthen me. Perhaps that's a prayer and the posture that we can come to our worship service with. In fact, we can prepare for this posture not just as we're leaving and heading out the door, but we can do it the night before. That's something I've begun to be accustomed to, preparing my heart for worship to encounter God on Sunday morning can actually begin on Saturday night. If worshiping God is really what we hope to do, if entering into all that God has for me is what I desire, and I get it, Sunday comes, we're trying to rally the household out the door. We've got sick kids or sick parents. We've got pets that don't follow our smartphone notification schedules. 
We have a body that wants to sleep in just one day of the week. We have a car or traffic or metro system that doesn't work for our commute. But, and that's just physically getting yourself to a location. But what do those concerns often reflect? Are they reflecting a worship, worship of Jesus or worship of your schedule and of your commitments on the weekend or of your comfort? What is taking precedence in your life? Is it really Jesus? And that's even before we walk in through the doors or fire up the live stream. And once we actually arrive, we're going to have to deal with other distractions and worries from encountering God and entering in with God. As we were mentioning, in a couple of weeks, the schedule is changing. We're going to have coffee, you know, first thing. We're going to do some teaching time at 9.30, and then we'll be back in here at 10.30 with kids five and up joining us through the whole service. For some of us, that might be scary or wondering what's happening with that. We're all going to have to adjust together. We're going to have to be a family together. But our goal is to encounter God and to enter in with God together. And if you're a parent, maybe you're worried about your child, how your child will respond. That, and that may mean we remember that we're doing this together. You don't, might not have to do it all alone. There might be other children that your child can sit with or other parents that are welcoming that or other adults. And others might be just willing to jump in and help. We'll figure it out together. And if you find yourself to be someone who's easily distracted and you're wondering, oh man, I don't know how this is going to work with kids in this service, maybe this is an opportunity for God to do forming work in our lives. Rather than being frustrated by someone bothering you, perhaps it's an invitation for us to take the time to help someone else with what they're struggling with so that we together can figure out how we might encounter God and enter in with God together. You know, our time together in our worship service is a time for Jesus to do his forming work in our lives. Not just with our thoughts, not just with our ideas, that, you know, but with the real stuff of our character. It's together, as we learned last week in the, from Colossians 3, that we learn, it's together that we learn to bear with one another, to show kindness to one another, to be patient with one another, and to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. See, those traits aren't developed in isolation. Those traits aren't developed behind the glass and plastic screens of your smartphones. They're developed as God's people gather together when we're vulnerable with one another, when we share those questions that we're struggling with together, and when we live and act together as God's family. They are nurtured when we attend to God's invitation to enter in to the gracious activity of the Father the Son, and of the Holy Spirit right here with us. And that's why the writer of Hebrews encourages in Hebrews 10, saying, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for, oh, and let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, we've been laying out this vision for communal formation over these past two Sundays. God is in the business. It's because we believe God is in the business 
of forming us into the likeness of God's Son, Jesus, which is really how we become our true selves. God, and in that formation, that formation is a communal process. It takes place in the presence of others, and it takes place for the sake of others. That's what's going on behind all that we're doing in these changes on October 8th. Now, the new schedule might stick. We might shuffle things around. It might change. We don't know. We're going to try it. We're going to figure things out together. The whole point is not to change things. The, the whole point is that we are changed by God. The goal is communal formation by God, for God, and for the sake of others. This is the invitation to the journey that we are on together. My question for you is, will you join us? Let's pray. God, we have a lot of questions, but we want to trust you that you are a God of love at work, even right here, in this moment. And through the course of this service, we may have come with some of our expectations, but we want to meet you. We want to enter into all that you have for us as individuals, as families, but also as a faith community. So will you do your work? Will you open our hearts? And may we respond in faith and trust, knowing that you are good. We ask these things in the strong and faithful name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.